Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode number 234 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh. Thank you so much for being here and spending some time with me today. I got to tell you, it feels really good to be sitting down and recording, knowing that I'm getting to have some conversation with you guys. It has been a very rough couple of weeks in my life. And the first thing I want to say is thank you to everybody, especially the members of our Sober Society membership community and people in the Facebook group. You guys have been incredible. Um, thank you for all the well wishes. I've been dealing with a very sick dog and it's been super scary and has really just consumed my life these last couple of weeks. But I appreciate you guys so much for understanding. I've definitely had to cancel some things, move some things around um, to care for him. I think we are out of the woods now. I think we're on the mend, hopefully, but um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> things are definitely looking up as of today, but Thank you for all the well wishes and the prayers and positive vibes. I really appreciate you guys and your patience uh, as I'm getting through this and figuring it all out. So what we're going to talk about today is dating and relationships in recovery. And I want to talk about this because it comes up so frequently, especially in the Facebook group and in our group coaching, you know, the Sober Society membership, the VIP level membership has group coaching with me every week. And, you know, we're always talking about relationship issues. A lot of people are married. A lot of people are in situations where they get sober and their spouse doesn't. You guys have heard me do several episodes with professionals and couples talking about this stuff. So I thought we would take a minute on this episode and just really dig into some of the nuances of relationships in recovery. And, you know, the recovery part is kind of just an added layer, but relationships in general, you know, you have to be really mindful as you create a relationship and build a relationship or repair a relationship. You have to be mindful how you do it and knowing how you want that to look and how you want it to turn out so that you can build it to be what you want it to be. And I feel like sometimes it's challenging because in the Facebook group, again, this comes up a lot. I'm sober. My spouse isn't. My partner still drinks. How do I stay sober when my partner still drinks? How do I handle this? And one of the things I see most often is the, the partner that gets sober starts pointing fingers at the partner that's not sober, right? People become hyper-focused on their partner's drinking. And I learned this concept in 12 Steps that like, stay on your own side of the street, right? You have to stay on your side of the street. Don't come over to my side of the street and start telling me how dirty it is and what I need to clean up and what work I need to do on my side of the street. You need to stay on your side of the street and do your work and clean up your mess. And so that's the first thing that I want to put out there because I hear all of this, my partner's doing this, 
my husband or wife is doing this and they're not supporting me. And I understand this is a difficulty. There's no question. It's a challenge, but it's not impossible. You definitely have to set some boundaries to protect your recovery. And the other part of this is the challenge for me is it's hard for me to jump in because, you know, when you're in the Facebook group and people post questions and comments, I'm in there all the time trying to give pointers, trying to help you guys out and steer you the right direction or or try to steer you away from the wrong direction, <laughs> whatever that might be. But this is really hard to give solid guidance on without knowing the details of your personal situation. Like everybody wants to know the hows. How do I do this? How do I do that? But as a coach and a professional, I can't give you the hows and break down a step-by-step plan with you if I don't know your situation and the details of your situation. And that also includes your lifestyle, your communication style, the state of your relationship, because there, the how is different for every single person. So it's hard for me to jump in the Facebook group and go, oh, okay, do this, do this, do this, and everything's going to be fixed because it just doesn't work that way. You know, that's why we have private coaching sessions. That's where we dig into really the specifics of your life and why you do things the way you do and how you could do it differently, how you can support your partner and still support yourself. But it is hard to do that without knowing the details of your situation. So I don't want you to feel like if you're posting that stuff in the Facebook group and I'm not giving answers, like I'm just being a jerk because I'm not just being a jerk. (laughs) It's just a really hard topic to try to guide people on without more information. So one of the first things I will say is you have to be willing to communicate. And this is another mistake that I see. People don't want to communicate. They're shy. They're timid. They're embarrassed. They don't know what to say. Again, those are all things that I can't tell you unless we're in a private session and we're brainstorming and figuring things out and I know more about you and your situation. But you have to be willing to try and you have to be willing to seek out the help to figure out how to do it. You can't expect your partner to read your mind and know what you want or what you need You can't expect your partner to understand where you are and what you're doing and why you're making the decision you're making because it's not realistic and it's not fair. That's why we have to talk about things. You have to let them know what's going on for you. It's hard too because oftentimes when we're alcoholic, we create these relationships in active alcoholism And maybe your partner's an alcoholic too. But I'm going to tell you right from the beginning, don't start telling your partner that they've got a problem also (laughs) because that's not your problem to fix. That's their problem to fix. You need to stay laser focused on yourself. Do the things that you need to do to strengthen your recovery and get really good at that seek out some help. This is just one more way, you guys, that being a member of a program 
is super helpful. And I don't care if you don't like AA, then don't go to AA. But there's a million other programs, probably not a million, but there are a lot of other programs that you can be a part of. And this is one of the most valuable aspects of being a part of a program is that you're surrounded by people going through exactly what you've gone through. This is the kind of stuff that a sponsor helps you with because they've already been through it, right? And it's free. So (laughs) that's just one of those things that you can do. And again, I don't care if you don't like AA. I don't want to hear all the diatribe about how AA didn't work for you. Go to a different one. There are options now. There are no excuses. You have options. There are all different kinds of groups and programs to support all different lifestyles, religious beliefs, whatever you want, it's out there. But you have to be the one to go find it. But that's where you have to stay focused, on you. You cannot be focused on your partner and what they're doing or not doing or how they're not supporting you because then all you're doing is expending your energy creating resentment. And that's not going to get you anywhere either. So a couple of things, I'm going to give you a couple of things that I tell my clients to do in this situation. And then we're going to talk about dating those of us, for those of us that aren't in partnerships or married, we're going to talk about some dating things in recovery too. But a couple of things, um, if you are sober and your spouse is not, the first thing I would say is you have to have a conversation about getting the alcohol um, somewhere where it's not in your face all the time. So if your person, if you have an extra garage refrigerator, ask your person to go put the stuff out there where you don't have to see it all the time or buy an additional little refrigerator and put it out there for your person. Um, but you don't want to be in a position where every single time you open your refrigerator, the alcohol's in your face. It also doesn't matter if your person doesn't drink what you drank, because I hear this a lot too. Oh, well, he or she drinks this and that's not even my drink of choice. It doesn't matter. I mean, I love that it's not going to trigger you as much, but you still don't need it in your face. It needs to go somewhere else where you're not seeing it every time. It's like having the enemy in your safe zone, right? So Just have some conversation like, hey, would it be cool with you if we kept this stuff out here? Like I'm making this lifestyle change and I don't really want to see it every time I open the refrigerator. So is it cool with you if we put it out here? So that's number one. Number two, you have to kind of bring your person on your journey. Now, if you have a partner who is overusing drugs or alcohol, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Um, You have to be willing to set some boundaries and have some conversation about what's going on for you. You can't sit back and keep your recovery to yourself and try to hide it because it's embarrassing and you don't feel good about it and you don't want to admit defeat or however you phrase that in your head. You can't sit back and keep it all to yourself and then be mad at them for not being more helpful or supportive. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't get anybody anywhere. And again, all it does is creates resentment. It makes you more mad at them. And then I want to get back to this not being focused on them. Take your focus off of them and put your focus on yourself. Have some conversations with whoever your support system is. Schedule a coaching session with me. 
go to a meeting and get a sponsor or go to a different kind of meeting and get a different kind of person, whatever they call them there. Have a support system to talk about what's going on with you. You have to be able to vent and get this stuff off your chest. You have to have people that understand you. And the important factor there is you have to have other people that are addicted people. You have to have other addicts and alcoholics who are recovering because we think the same and we do understand each other. And you want so badly to be understood, but having an expectation that a non-addicted person is going to understand is just not fair, nor is it possible. This is why we connect with each other on this different level that is so beautiful and so powerful, but you have to have other addicted people in your life that you can have conversations with, that you can just be yourself, not edit what you're saying and get that stuff off your chest. And at the same time, hopefully get some good guidance on how to deal with those issues and work your way through them. You're going to have to be patient. You know, early recovery can be challenging under the best of circumstances. So you throw a little wrench in the game with a partner that still drinks or uses drugs, and you definitely have an added layer of difficulty. But there are ways to work around it. The number one thing you have to do is stay focused on yourself. And this goes along with the whole addiction thing at its core, right? Where we constantly want to point fingers at outside factors to blame all of our problems, right? People, I hear it all the time. People saying, well, I wouldn't drink so much if my partner did this or did that or didn't act like this or treated me better or supported me more. I wouldn't drink so much if I had a better job, if I had more money, if my life was more fun, whatever. There's a thousand things everybody says. But we always want to point the finger at at an external factor. And we always want to get focused on an external factor. And we do the same thing to manipulate our feelings, right? We go to alcohol, an external factor to change how we feel on the inside. Take the alcohol away and we go to shopping and food and sex and toxic relationships. It's always an external thing that we immediately turn to. So if you're getting sober and your partner isn't, it's going to be a natural response to want to hyper-focus on them and all their problems. It also allows you to distract yourself from your own problems, and it gives you something else to think about. And there's some relief in that, as weird and kind of twisted as it is. You do get some relief in just thinking about somebody else's issues instead of your own, because we get exhausted by our own issues. But I want to urge you to redirect yourself back on yourself, set some boundaries, ask to have the alcohol removed from the main part of your home or whatever, or if your person smokes pot, ask them to do it somewhere else and tell them like, listen, I understand, like you don't have to be on board and do this with me. I'm not asking you to, I'm not asking you to change. I'm just telling you this is what I'm doing. And It's kind of awkward and I don't have all the answers, but it's really important to me. You know, you have to be willing to communicate and get some help to figure out how to communicate effectively and what to communicate, right? Because 
there are a ton of layers to that too that are really challenging for me to get into without knowing you in your specific situation. Now, I want to flip quickly to the dating in recovery aspect of this. And I'm going to do more episodes about this stuff, especially being a single person and you know, having dated as a sober person for many years, these are great topics to talk about. Relationships are the other thing I study pretty incessantly uh, outside of addiction because those were my two greatest struggles in life, right? Addiction and relationships. So those are the things that I've studied and learned the most about to be better at it. But the first thing I want to say is, you know, in 12 steps, we talk about not making any major changes in your life in your first year. And there's a reason for that. It's not because we want to control your life and tell you what to do. We don't really care on that level. But the point is, in your first year of sobriety, you really have to focus on just getting comfortable being sober. You're going to have a ton of firsts right? The first time you go to a holiday sober, the first time a birthday party, the first time a wedding, the first time a vacation, you're going to have a lot of firsts and you're going to have a lot of uncomfortable moments because you don't have your lubrication of alcohol to get through social anxiety, to get through hurt feelings, to get through overwhelm. And in your first year, you want to try to stay as even as humanly possible. When you date, there is no even because dating creates high highs and it creates low lows. So it feels good. There is no question. It feels good to like somebody and to be liked by somebody. There are so many chemical responses happening in your brain. And as a person with addiction, we love that. (laughs) You know, that's what we live for. And it feels good to be texting with somebody and have butterflies. We all love that stuff. And that's a high, high. Now, the flip side of that is dating also makes you question and second guess everything and magnifies every insecurity you have by a thousand. And those are the low lows. And when you don't have any emotion regulation or self-regulation, self-control, which is what early sobriety is, no emotional regulation, every single person says to me, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't understand feelings. I don't know how to label my feelings. Right, but then you want to go out and start relationships. You can't even label a feeling, but you want to go out and start start dating and create a plethora of feelings that you also don't understand and don't have any regulation to deal with. That's why we say no major changes, because major changes create high highs and low lows, and nothing will do that on the level that dating will. Or financial stuff, right? Financial stuff can really throw us off track too because high highs and low lows. Now, if you're going to ignore that advice, which most people do, I did not ignore that. I welcomed it. They told me don't date in your first year. And I was like, oh God, thank you. Because I am not good at that anyway. So yes, let's take a break because I don't need that in my life right now. I'm not good at it. I picked terrible people to, to date and I welcomed the opportunity to just not have it in my life. 
But most people don't feel that way because they get a little high from it. So of course you want to do it. You put down your drink or your substance and naturally you want to seek a high in different ways. And dating is the best way to do that. And a lot of people have sex addiction too, right? So of course they're going to want to seek that out. So if you're going to go ahead and do that, number one, I just want you to be aware that you're going to cause yourself some extra levels of difficulty. You are going to cause yourself more stress and you are definitely going to need a support system to work through that stuff. I also want you to be mindful that it's not all about you. We are incredibly selfish people just as human beings and then people with addiction take that to a whole other level. And we often do not consider how we're treating the other person. And I'll tell you, I went on a major dating hiatus because the last person I dated, I was very selfish in that relationship. I was self-serving. I was not serious about that person. And he was more serious about me. And I recognized that and didn't put an end to it because it felt good. So that's something for me that was huge. I did not feel good about. And I thought, holy crap, like I need to put the brakes on here. I don't like being that person. I don't want to hurt other people. And I don't want to be acting in those motives of just being self-serving. So I really had to take a minute and go, wow, where did that come from? You know, so you need to think about that. You don't want to be out in the world hurting people just because you want attention or companionship or sex. You have to be mindful of what you're doing. The other thing I hear people talk about a lot in dating in recovery is when do you tell someone you're sober? Now, this is a challenging question for me because I'm so out and proud, so to speak, and always have been. My recovery was my number one priority from day one. Everything else in my life revolved around it, right? It was number one. So I wasn't hanging out with a lot of drinking people then anyway. I was really surrounded because I started going uh, to meetings really early. So I was mostly just surrounded by sober people, and that's who I wanted to be around. I didn't want to be around drinking people. I wanted to be around people who were on the same path that I was on. So I didn't have a lot of those situations where I had to tell people I was sober, Also because I talk about it so openly, and again, always have. So in any conversation I would be having with a boy, like my recovery is going to come up pretty quickly no matter what. Because even still to this day, my life kind of revolves around my recovery. My recovery and my mental health are first. I have to care for those things first and foremost. Everything else is secondary because I don't have a life if I don't have my sobriety and my mental health in check. I don't have any of the other stuff. So it has to be first. So in any conversation for me, it's going to come up pretty quickly. But this is a very personal choice, you know. Not everybody wants to bust that piece of information out on the first date. And I get that too. But I also would never feel uncomfortable just saying, I don't drink or I don't want to drink. Or somebody says, do you want a glass of wine? No, thank you. I don't drink. It's pretty simple. Now, if you are wrapped up in the, oh my gosh, what if they don't like me and I don't get a second date? If you're wrapped up in that thought process, then I will tell you, you're probably not ready to date. 
because you're insecure. You're not being confident in who you are. You're not comfortable in who you are as a human being. And dating is a disaster if you're not comfortable with who you are. If you can't show the other person who you are and and know who you are confidently to show another person who you are, then how do you expect to have a relationship, right? You're just going to recreate all the toxic relationships and the chaos like I did for a couple of decades. It was so unhealthy how I did it because I was so lost as a person and I was codependent and I was scared they wouldn't like me. So everything was just about being what they wanted me to be so that they would like me. It had nothing to do with authenticity. I had zero self-esteem, right? So if you're really caught up in the insecurity of what if they don't like me, then you really probably shouldn't be dating yet. That's just the truth. You have to get comfortable with who you are and how you live your life so that you can have boundaries around that also. What are you going to do? Keep it a secret and be on date three or four and you're out with this person and they're wanting to go to bars and happy hours with their friends or, you know, double dates with their friends and everybody's drinking and you're going to be sitting there sweating bullets, white knuckling it, feeling like crap and being a fraud. I mean, that doesn't sound fun. Like my anxiety would be through the roof if that was the situation I was in especially knowing that I'm being dishonest. And not that you're lying blatantly, but you're lying by omission. You're not being truthful about who you are and what your lifestyle is. So that's something else I would think about. All right, I'm, I've already got you guys 30 minutes into this thing. I could talk about this topic for days. So <laughs> if you have any questions and you want to talk about this more, get in the Facebook group and put your questions in there, right? We always, I post the episode in the Facebook group every week and people put comments under there and questions under there. I'm always in the Facebook group trying to help out and be supportive and answer questions. So get in the Facebook group with us, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash addiction unlimited. That's how you can find us. And we'll have more conversations about this, but I just wanted to kind of skim the surface, the tip of the iceberg on both of those topics of relationships and recovery, but when you have a partner that's not on the same path as you, and when you're thinking about dating and getting back out there as a sober person and what that looks like and how to kind of manage that and why we discourage it early on. I just wanted to touch on those things for you guys and just give you kind of a starting point to think about. So jump in the Facebook group with any questions. We've got some pretty cool stuff coming up too. Sober October is just around the corner. We're going to be doing some cool stuff in the Facebook group. I'm going to have some giveaways that are pretty extraordinary. So jump in that Facebook group and join us. Let me know what your questions are, and we will keep this an open conversation and talk more about it. I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast, candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.